Bibles this morning. Uh, if you would please turn them. We're going to be uh, several places, but I do want to share with you um, the incredible, incredible news of the death, burial, and resurrection, which is the foundation of the gospel. And for every one of us here, this is incredible good news. It's the greatest story ever told from all humanity, all history, sums itself up at the birth, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, so much that Jesus Christ, the creator of the world, actually divided time here upon the earth. Divided it, and uh, we are living on the other side of the cross. Before that, they were living on the, the other side of before the cross. But Jesus did something magnificent, and it's for all of you this morning. And we have great reason to rejoice today. And I hope that you have a very joyful heart today as we celebrate this incredible event called the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul the Apostle writing to the church in Corinth um, was sharing with them this gospel, and he mentions this in verses 3 through 4. He says, For what I have received, Paul received this from Jesus Christ. He said, I passed on to you as first importance. Paul says, This was my first priority that I passed these things on to you, and that is number one, that Christ died for our sins. You can put your name in there, He died for your sin. Absolutely every one of them, past, present, and future, Jesus Christ died for you and for me. He did this according to the scriptures because the scriptures foretold his death, his burial, and his resurrection. In fact, 300 prophecies were written about him in the Old Testament. And in order for Jesus to be the Messiah, he had to fulfill all 300, and he absolutely did to the very final last one. So not only according to the scriptures, but he was also buried. Very important that Christ was buried. In fact, he waited three days, which was the Jewish standard, to de decree that someone was dead. Just to make sure they somehow didn't come back around here. That they actually declared them dead after three days. And Jesus Christ laid in a borrowed tomb. By the way, it was borrowed uh, just for the reason he wasn't going to need it very long. And as you go to a cemetery today, and many of you have gone there, and I've done lots and lots of funerals, when we do a committal service, we're committing the body of the individual into the ground, but it's not the final destination for that body. It's really a borrowed grave. It really is for everyone. Because the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is going to resurrect every single body. It's not the final resting place. It is only a momentary place where those who die will stay in the old tent. The old flesh will be there. Their spirit goes on, but their flesh will remain. And it's just a borrowed tomb. It's a borrowed grave. And you will not be there forever. Your body will not be. Not only was he buried, but he was also raised, Paul said, on the, th on the third day he was raised. And that was according to the scriptures. So what is the significance, as some people might ask this Easter, what is the significance of the death, burial, and resurrection? And why does it matter so much to all humanity? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Uh, the truth is this morning that there is a calendar that has been set. I want you to think about this. The God of all creation has set things in motion, and God has already set some times and some dates that are very significant for every single human being who will ever live. There are two appointments that all men and all women are going to keep. Last week I had a dental appointment. Yes, we love dental appointments. What I found interesting though is, is periodically they sent me a reminder. <laughs> 
Probably because they know that I'll forget, right? And I really don't want to go. But if a tooth gets bad enough, you will go. So they kept sending me these reminders, just reminding you on this date, you have an appointment. Well, the Bible is very clear that God has set for us two appointments. And this is for all humanity. Every single person you are going to meet and you are going to attend these appointments. You can't miss them. You have no options. God himself has set the dates. No one knows it, but God does. He knows the dates. And this is the very interesting thing. So these two dates that God has set, which are very, very important, um, are number one, the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die because the wages of sin is death, because in Adam all die. Every single human being, unless Jesus Christ comes to take up the church, Every single human being from the very beginning to the very last moment of time when the church age ends, listen, you're all going to experience this wonderful thing called death, right? We're all looking forward to that day, I'm sure, not. The truth is, death is coming for every single person. This is why it's very significant for all of you. Because we all have an appointment with this enemy that we all hate, and it's called death. But it's coming for every man, woman, boy, and child, girl. It's coming for everyone. The second thing is, it says, man is appointed unto, it's appointed unto man once to die, but then secondly, the second appointment that every single person here is going to have, and every person in the world is going to have, the second appointment is, as to face the judgment of God. The Bible says there's really two different types of judgment. One is going to be the judgment of God's wrath. The other one for the body of Christ, for those who have trusted in Jesus Christ. They're not going to experience the judgment of of God um, in wrath. They're going to simply experience the judgment of their works. We're not saved by works, we're saved by grace. But they're not going to experience that. But every single one of us, listen, you have two appointments. You will not miss them. It's a guaranteed event that will happen in your life. One of them is that death is coming. Number two, judgment is also coming behind that. This is why the resurrection matters. This is why the gospel is the greatest news that anyone could ever share if any person in all humanity. It's not good news that we're going to face death and we're going to face the judgment. The good news is, is what God did in order that you would not have to face him in the way that many people will. That's the good news of the resurrection. That's why we're here this morning. That's why we're celebrating. That's why we're so full of joy this morning. Because our Savior is alive. He is risen from the grave. And he guarantees a resurrection for all humanity. That's why we're here. Amen. There are actually four major questions that every single person is going to ask sometime throughout their lifetime. There are four of them, um, and let me just share these with you. Some of these you've probably thought about yourself, or no doubt you will. The first one is origin. In other words, where did everything come from? And I know that we live in a time in history where science wants to tell us that we actually uh, didn't come from anything. Um, that that we, this just kind of happened. I mean, the cosmic belch, you know, I mean, you can go through the list of things, how we just kind of came from a puddle of, of ooze, you know, it all just kind of happened. The fact that you and I once have, our ancestors were apes, and we've just kind of gone through a process of evolution. So what our society has done, and what science has done, is they have, they have killed God to an essence in their own mind. And we all have grown up in America in in our own institutions being taught the fact that, listen, there is no God. This all just happened by chance. And so every person, including the scientists in the world, are asking the question, what about our origin? How did all this stuff happen? Where do we come from? 
The next thing we find is meaning. Every single person that I meet, myself included, everyone wants to know why they're here. What is their purpose for being here? But if there is no God, there absolutely is no purpose because you didn't come from anything and you're not going anywhere. And so your purpose here absolutely has zero significance. Life has no value and no meaning. And you, sir and ma'am, have no purpose in your birth even happening. You are just an, a, an object of chance and randomality, which is a false truth. It's a lie. So the second thing every person asks is meaning. Why am I here? There has to be more to life than this. Thank God there is. The third thing is this, morality. We see this in our own country. We're moving and defining different definitions of morality. But when a society rejects God and says God no longer exists, that science tries to prove the way that we became, that we came from nothing and we're going nowhere, the truth is the morality then has a sliding scale. It only matters what is moral to me because I'm the standard or my culture's the standard. But the Bible says that God is the standard of morality and he has given all men a standard to live under. And that's important that we understand what morality is. And we know today we're living in a sliding, uh, digressing morality and a moral state within our own country, but people are still talking about morality. In other words, how do I live out my purpose? What is right for me? What is wrong for me? What is good for me? What's good for our society? So on and so forth. The fourth thing is this, and you're going to ask this question, guaranteed, no ifs, ands, or buts. You're going to ask the question of destiny. Destiny, what happens to me when life is over? Where in the world am I going at the end of my life? And so every human being addresses these questions. Where did all this come from? Where did I come from? The Bible says that I'm created in the very image of God, that God created them male and female, that he created them. Number two is going to be meaning. There has to be purpose in this life. Listen, God created you for something extraordinary. Not only are you created in the image of God, but you also have the ability to create. You also have the ability to do far more than any of the other creation. God made you in his image. He also created you for a relationship with him. Think about this. This is where Christianity completely separates itself from every religion of the world. We talk about a relationship, not a religion. I don't like religion one way, shape, or form. How about you? Religion restrains, relationship sets us free in Christ. The next thing is going to be morality, obviously, and then destiny. There has to be more to life than this. There has to be. The good news, the Bible says that there is. So every person, number one, we have to understand this. I want you to get this. We're going to talk about two today. Every single person that I'm speaking to today, those that are hearing or listening or watching, every single person is going to walk this life on two paths or two roads. Very, very simple. The gospel is very simple. There's only two paths that every human being walking on the face of the earth today or ever has been or ever will be is going to walk. Just two roads. The Bible says in Matthew 7, 13 through 14, it says, enter through the narrow gate. The narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads us somewhere. Guess where that road leads? That road leads to destruction. Notice it's broad. And every single person who has ever been born starts out walking the broad road. Everyone. 
Doesn't matter who you are, what, you, what your name is, what family you came from, what your career is. It doesn't matter anything. Every single person has been born in Adam, and in Adam all have sinned. That's why we are what we are. We sin not because, we, we're, because we're sinful. That's what we do, right? That's the things we do. And so he says, enter through the narrow gate. There is a narrow gate because there's a broad road, and the narrow gate we need to enter into, and it says this, but small is the gate, and narrow the road, and guess where this little narrow road leads? It leads to eternal life, and it says a few find it. This is pretty fascinating to me. So every single person has, has, is traveling two different roads. This morning, all of us here, we're all traveling on one of two roads. You're either on the narrow road leading to life in Christ Jesus, or, God forbid, you're still on the broad road that's leading to destruction. And that's why the gospel is so important for both, both the narrow road and the broad road, because today you don't have to stay on the broad road that leads to destruction. Every single person is traveling down these two roads that are leading now to two unavoidable appointments that we mentioned earlier. It's appointed unto man wants to die and then face the judgment of God. Both roads are leading to that end. Every person in all humanity. We're all headed there. And at the judgment, we're going to be assigned now something very, very specific. Every single person that is listening today on the face of the earth, ever has been, ever will be, is not only traveling down one of two roads leading to two entirely different, um, I mean, going to two different things, death and judgment, which is going to be an assignment given by God according to what they did with Christ upon this earth about where they're going to have their permanent now eternal destination. That's why this matters. This is big deal. This is big stuff. In fact, I would say, without any question, this is the greatest story that it will ever be shared to you this morning. That you do not have to stay on the broad road that leads to destruction. That Jesus Christ came. He says, I am the gate, enter through me. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Listen to this. And nobody gets to the Father except through me. But what are you hearing today? This is what you hear. All roads lead to God. No, they don't. What a lie of Satan that he has pulled over the veiled the eyes of humanity. There is only one road, the Bible says, that leads to God. One road that will lead to eternal life. And that road is the narrow road, the small gate. And his name is Jesus Christ. And no one gets to the Father except through him. No one does. So I know you here today... That all these religions are coming together and they all say, well, hey, everybody's getting to God on their own road. That is true to a point. But if they haven't gone through Jesus Christ, they're on the broad road that's just going to be meeting God in judgment one day. Not going to be meeting God with rewards for what we did upon the earth out of our love for him and out of what he's done in our life. Our our, our accepting of Christ, our believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ. When God took us from the kingdom of darkness and he transferred us, like it says in Colossians 1.13, into the kingdom of the glorious son. You're in one of two kingdoms. You're either of the kingdom of this world or you're in the kingdom of God. That's the only two kingdoms. It's where we are today. Bible says in Revelation chapter 20, by the way, Jesus Christ is coming again. You need to know that this morning. He's coming again, and I believe he's coming soon. In Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, we're talking about now the judgment. Remember, it's appointed a man once to die, face the judgment of God. There is a God 
there is, there's a judgment of God that is coming upon all humanity. And that's why we have an urgency in our spirit as Christians that we need to let people know the gospel, the good news about what Jesus came to do to set you free, to offer you an incredible salvation that has been given for you. It's already been paid for. It's already done. And he guarantees that at our appointments, death and also the judgment, we will be victorious through both of those things. Praise God for that today. In verse 11 of chapter 20 in Revelation, listen to this. Then I saw a great white throne. This is coming. It's going to happen. Put it in the bank. It's going to happen. Every person is going to meet this time in their life. I saw a great white throne, and on him who was seated on it, the earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead. Now John is getting revelation of the future. He says, I saw the dead now. I saw the dead great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. The books were opened. The books were opened, and then another book was opened, which is the book of life. So there's a book that is going to be, books are going to be opened at the judgment of God, and everyone's name that is written in the judgment book of God is going to receive the wrath and the judgment of Almighty God, not because God wants to do that, but because we chose that. We chose to reject his gift, his son, his, his providence. He, we, we've, we've rejected that. And so those who have rejected Jesus Christ, please do not reject Jesus Christ because he's coming again. Dear friend, listen to me. Today, if you hear his voice, today's the day of salvation. What's incredible here is the books were open, and then there was another book open. This book is called the Book of Life. The Bible says that your name will be written in the book of life when you receive Christ or you surrender your life to Christ, you repent of your sin, and you trust upon the Lord Jesus Christ. At that point in time, your name is written in the book of life. And one day that book will be opened and our names will be read. Isn't that not incredible? So there's going to be two things that happen. And there's great and small, all the dead standing before the throne of God. And then it says this, the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. I'm so thankful that today I don't have to be the one that has God read all of the things that I've done against his standard and against his law. That'll be read one day. What's going to be read for all of us who are in Christ Jesus is covered by the blood of Jesus, set free, completely reconciled. All sin has been stamped, done, paid for, and over with. And because of Jesus Christ, I stand before God, and you will too, not righteous for what you've done because we're not righteous, but because his son was righteous, and he imputed or gave us his righteousness by simply repenting of our sin and trusting upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And the moment we were saved, amen? Amen. What an incredible truth. So now the dead are being judged according to what was written in the books. The sea gave up the dead. Listen, you're not, no one's going to hide in the sea in death. God's going to do this incredible thing. If he can create the entire spans of the universe, it won't be hard for him to accomplish this as well. The dead were given up out of the sea, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. See, hell's a real thing in a real place. It's not something that God created for humanity. He created it for Satan and for his demons. That's what it was created for. But the truth is, people unfortunately will reject this gospel 
and they will stay on the broad road or they'll believe a lie that you can go through some other means to get to God, some other religious experience, whatever it might be, or that you might be just a good enough old boy or just a good enough old girl and like the Muslim, you can actually have your scales measured and hopefully your good outweighs the bad. The truth is it's never going to because our bad will always outweigh our good, but it's not about that. It's about what Jesus did, not about what I've done. Amen? Amen. Then the Bible says the lake of fire is something else. It's the second death. Listen, this is so important you understand this. As Christians, we might experience death. As Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, he shall live. See, all humanity outside of those being raptured in the last days here, the church age, all humanity will experience the first death. If you are in Christ this morning and the resurrection of Jesus Christ has something that you and I will come to experience in an amazing way, listen to me, we will not experience what the Bible calls the second death. This is where you are actually thrown into the lake of fire where you will spend eternity forever and forever and forever outside the presence of anything to do with goodness or God. You'll be separated from the God of all creation. You'll be left there by yourself alone, separated from people. There'll be no card games going on. There'll be no music going on. Only the screeching and the screaming and the hollering and the gnashing of teeth. That's all hell's going to be for anyone who will go there. And your mind will be thinking about all these things you heard about Jesus living in the land of the free and the brave where the gospel was preached week after week after week after week and people have rejected the true gospel of Jesus Christ and he came to you on more than one occasion and tried to draw you to himself and People have rejected this gospel and have gone their own way. And for all eternity, you'll be separated forever. There'll be no cigar smoking, beer drinking, having a party in hell like some people teach. That is not the truth. It's going to be the worst place for everyone, anyone to be. That's why this gospel matters this morning. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, oh, we have good news for you today. You can know this resurrection. You can know this Jesus Christ. What an incredible truth. We will keep two appointments, death and the judgment, just the way that it is. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. All right, now let me share with you the good news in the last 10 minutes that we have remaining together. In verse 21 of chapter 3 in Romans, if you have your Bible, flip over there quickly. I'm so excited to share this this morning. I know many of us here today have experienced this and we know this and we are living this in our life, but maybe by chance you're here today and you do not know Christ. I mean, you know about a religious thing, you know about uh, some of the things about religion. Listen, I'm just saying stamp out religion. We're not interested in religion. What we're talking about here is something more incredible than you could ever even begin to understand. That is a relationship with the God of all creation. He came and walked and lived among the earth. He sent his own son to do these things. He desires a relationship with you and with me, not a religious experience, but a relationship that will endure for all of your life here upon the earth and for all eternity in heaven. That's why you were created, for relationship with God. Now Paul goes on and says this now, writing to those in Rome. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. See, the truth is, under the law, no man became righteous by the law. In fact, the law just showed them that they were sinners. The law didn't save anyone. The law just is a standard that we used to have in the courthouses and the lands of this country. That when the judge dropped his gavel and said, guilty, you're going to prison for life, he had a standard by which he could do that. 
It was a standard much higher than man. It was a standard of God, the creator of the world. And God says, you broke this one, therefore you must pay. That's what he did. But it says, righteousness of God, this righteousness of God. God is righteous. What an incredible God he is. It has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. Listen to this. This righteousness, this righteousness, by the way, all humanity, our righteousness is filthy rags, the Bible says, right? That's the truth. It says this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. There is no difference whether you're a Jew or whether you're a Gentile. makes no difference. We're not going to have different standards here. God says it's a level playing field. doesn't matter what your name is or your grandpa was a pastor. It doesn't matter. It is everybody's level at the foot of the cross. It says, for all have sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is the real issue that Jesus came to provide a way where all humanity fallen in their sin and sinfulness can be made right before God. And there's no way men can do that. Although you see men all the time trying to be good enough, trying to do what they can do so God will approve of them somehow. The only way God will ever approve of you and of me is, is when we are righteous. And there's no hope for humanity outside of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ because there's only one, the Bible says, who is righteous, one who is sinless, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he did something that no man could do. God in flesh, fully God, fully man, sinless, never ever sinning before God, kept his standards to the T. He went to the cross and took your place and my place, and God placed your sin on the Son. And he literally crushed his own Son and poured out his fury and his wrath upon Jesus Christ and he died for you in your place, in my place in order that God would then grant me a stamp of righteousness over my life because of his blood the Bible says that without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins that's why the Jews, they always sacrifice the lambs, they're actually celebrating Passover right now We're preaching about this resurrected Messiah, this Jesus who came and fulfilled over 300 Old Testament prophecies. We have come to know him as the true Messiah. The nation of Israel as a whole, they're still waiting for this Messiah to come, but they're going to be misled in the last days when the Antichrist rises to power and does miraculous signs and wonders. And maybe some of you hearing me today, if Jesus returns and you are not in Christ, you're going to go through the tribulation period. You might remember what I said here. There's coming an Antichrist where Satan himself will set himself up to be like God and the Jews are going to fall for this antichrist as being the true Messiah they're still waiting for him and he's coming the antichrist is coming and there'll be people that will actually be some Americans, many of them that have heard these messages are going to be left behind they're going to be here when this antichrist comes to power in the new world order and it's set across this entire globe and it's moving that way at rapid pace and rapid speed The truth is Satan will set himself up as a false Messiah. And the Jews are looking for the Messiah to come. They're waiting for Elijah to show up. They open the door at every every Seder and they wait for, for Elijah. Maybe he'll be at the door this year. Elijah is coming. He'll precede the coming of this Antichrist and they're going to fall for a false Messiah and they're going to think that he really is the Messiah but the Messiah has already come in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's already come. He's coming. So if you're going to be here possibly when this Antichrist rises to power because you've rejected the gospel, listen to me this morning. Remember what I said. Do not fall for the false Antichrist. 
It's going to cost you to be saved in the tribulation period. But oh, do not fall for the Antichrist and take the mark on your head or on your hand. Don't do that. I pray to God that'll be none of you here this morning or no one listening to me by radio or watching on TV. I pray that no one will have to experience it, that you will repent of your sin and trust upon the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Messiah, the Son of God, who always has been, always will be. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. He is all things. I pray that you'll trust in Jesus Christ. He moves on and says this, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There was no chance for me. I couldn't do it good enough. I couldn't make it happen. There's no way that man can climb to God. There's absolutely no way because God, guess what God did? God did something that man could not do. Man tries to climb to God. God says that's impossible. This is what you have to understand. God came to man. How incredible is that, that Jesus Christ left the glory of heaven and he came and was born of a virgin. He's pure, spotless, sinless. He walked the earth. He showed us how to live. He began the church age through his disciples and the apostle Paul. What an incredible, incredible God we serve. In order that you, 2,000 years later, from when this actually took place, you could hear the gospel message and still trust and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And today you can be saved. How incredible is that? Moving right along here. So, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, but all are justified freely. Justified here means to be made right by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. Jesus died. He was an atoning sacrifice. John the Baptist said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Jews at this very time would have taken the Paschal Lamb and they would have sacrificed the Paschal Lamb and there would have been tens of thousands of lambs in Jerusalem being slaughtered the very time that Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, was pouring out his blood on the cross of Calvary. The, the, the priests were sacrificing the lambs right there in the temple and the blood was flowing everywhere. This is exactly what God did. He came at the very Passover and said, I am the Passover Lamb. I am the Paschal Lamb, and from the AD 70 until now, there's never been another temple. Think about this. The Jews have not sacrificed another lamb in the temple because in AD 70, when Jesus said that all these are going to be torn down, in AD 70, Rome came and wiped out Jerusalem. There's never been another temple built. And my question has always been to the Jew, why don't you build another temple? Because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. There's coming a time where they'll build the temple again. And they're going to be sacrificing again. They have everything ready. You can look it up and study it. They're ready to build the temple again because they're going to be atoning for the sacrifice again. They're waiting for this. They're waiting for Christ. They're waiting for this. They're going to be doing this all over again. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, came. There's no more blood that needs to be sacrificed, Jesus said. I am the Lamb of God who was slain by the foundation of the world. I am the one who poured his blood out so that you could be made righteous, and God put his wrath on me, listen to me, so you don't have to face the wrath of God. You can get his glorious righteousness, redemption, atonement, and salvation in Jesus Christ. That's the good news of the gospel, dear friend. You don't have to stay on the broad road. No, you can repent and you can follow Jesus Christ. And that is the glory of the gospel this morning. It is the good news of Christ. It's the greatest news of all. He did this through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. And he did this to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance he left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Now, there's some pretty amazing things that I want to share with you, and I've only got like three minutes, so we've got to hurry here. 
But I, I don't want you all to miss this. This is the whole point of what we're getting at today. This is why we're here. This is why Christians across this globe by the millions are worshiping their God and praising his name this morning because of what he did. First of all, we notice that there is a righteousness that comes to man from God. That is incredible. That this righteousness from God is not something that any human being will earn. You can't climb upstairs and be on your knees and starve yourself and all the things. You can't do this thing. No one can get to God. Only in Christ can we do that. That we can receive the righteousness of God by faith in Jesus Christ. So hang on with me quickly here. Hang on. All mankind stand before God without excuse and are guilty of their sin and rebellion before God. That's every human, every person. The payment, the Bible says, for sin is what? It's death. That's the payment. That's where the judge comes in and smacks his gavel down and says, Guilty! You will spend, you're going to the electric chair. You're going to the whatever. It's the penalty of sin is death. It always has been. It always has been. That's why it cost God the death of his son, the righteous one. It cost him that. So the payment is sin, but God's amazing grace, his amazing grace is that we are justified through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus who was a sacrifice of atonement for all, taking on our penalty. Here we go. Four things quickly. It's righteousness. No man can see God without righteousness. It will not happen. That means meeting God's standard for righteousness. A way where a man is judicially deemed right. You're approved by God. Where he stamps on there, you are forgiven, you're approved, you're righteous. Not because I'm righteous. I am not anywhere near righteous. But the good news of the gospel is that I will never be righteous. Only in Christ Jesus, because of his blood, am I righteous today. That's incredible news. That means to be right before God, acceptable before God. When all men are unrighteous and guilty of sin and rebellion and waiting their full sentence, which is coming. Remember the two appointments, it's coming. So God offered his righteousness to you and to me, to all humanity in the person of his son. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You, can't own, you cannot own or self-attain it. You can't do that on your own. This is a gift. It's free. It's offered to you by God, already been done 2,000 years ago when his son came and gave his life for you. Number two is justification. What an incredible truth that we just read about there in the third chapter. Justification, what does it mean? To be cleared of all charges. Think about how incredible this is. Some of you, if we put up on the, the screen this morning a list of your sins, would that not be just a fun thing to watch, right? Not at all. Be horrific. There's some things in my life I don't want anybody to see ever. Praise God. That'll never happen. You know why? Because when Jesus Christ died and took upon my sin, and I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, guess what happened? God took the blood of Jesus and stamped it across my life and said, completely forgiven, forgotten, and all is done. Do you understand how incredible that is? That's incredible. That is incredible. That means to be cleared of all charges. I deserve death, but I don't get that. I get righteousness and eternal life. What an incredible truth. The third thing is this, is redemption. What does it mean to redeem? What does it mean to be redeemed? Why do we see that, sing that song? We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Why do we talk about redemption? Because for a Christian, it's so very important to be redeemed. It means to be released due the payment of ransom. The Bible says that Jesus Christ purchased us by his blood. He did something that you can't do and I can't do. There was a cost that came with your redemption, and it was done by his blood. This means that Jesus Christ literally purchased your ransom. He purchased it. Think about that. He owned it, man. What an incredible truth. 
to make the required payment for the penalty in order to purchase or to buy back, that God simply said, listen, there's a way that I can get you back in relationship with me. There's a way that you can be reconciled to God. My son Jesus Christ came and he paid the highest price for you. What an incredible truth that he paid the price of his own blood in order that you could be redeemed and purchased and brought back to God in reconciliation. What an amazing God we serve. What an incredible God. God we serve. Wow, he is so good. I want to talk to you the final thing, and that's atonement. Atonement. He made atonement. That means a sin offering by which the wrath of God shall be appeased. The Jewish people would take the lamb. They had to have a lamb that was, that was 14. It was, it, was, it was a spotless, sinless lamb, a male lamb. It was inspected by the priests. The priest would look it over and make sure that this little lamb, one year of age, had no blemishes, no broken bones, couldn't be anything wrong with it. It had to be perfect. They weren't able to go to the cool pen over here and grab one with three legs, one ear, and two, and, 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 and uh, well, we won't go to anything, but just deformed. I mean, humanity wants to do that. They want to grab their worst one. Well, this old boy probably going to live another week. Let's take him, right? No, they had to be perfect. They would come to the temple, and they would bring this lamb, and they'd be inspected by the priests. That's why Jesus got so upset when he came because they were saying, oh, that lamb ain't going to do. By the way, we got one back here that'll fit you, but it's going to cost you 50 bucks more. That's what they were doing. Jesus ran them out of the temple. What, Jesus, what this says is they would inspect this lamb. They'd look at it. Okay, this one will do. Then the man would take the lamb and the priest would be there. He'd take his hand and place it on the head of the lamb. There's a transfer of his sin onto this innocent lamb, the most, the most, the most innocent of all animals. They would place his hand and the priest would take a knife and they would cut the throat of the lamb and they would catch his blood. And there was a transfer now of the man's sin upon the lamb and the lamb would bear the sin of the man and give his life and his blood would be poured out for the sin of that man. That's exactly what God did. He took his son, the lamb of God, the sinless one, the perfect one, put him on a cross, beat him, bruised him, whipped him, placed him and nailed him to a cross. And then he took the sin of all humanity. Oh, the wrath of God on humanity for their sin and rebellion against God was so furious that it was dark for three hours from twelfth hour, from the ninth until the twelfth hour. is incredible. The earth shook and there was an earthquake. Why? Because the sin of humanity was placed upon the Son of God and God took literally his hand and crushed the Son. And what happened was he atoned for your sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? That he bore all of your sin, past, present, and future. It's all been bore by Christ. And God poured his wrath on his own son. And he killed his son on the cross of Calvary. In order that you and I would never have to have to face the penalty of our sin. Only if we will trust and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. We will be saved, praise God. Praise God. If you're here this morning, dear friend. Oh, we're so thankful that you're here. Oh, what a great day. If you've never trusted upon the sacrifice of God today, you're on the broad road, dear friend. And the Bible says you've got an appointment like all men. You're on a broad road that's, road that's leading somewhere. The same narrow road that's leading us to Christ and to eternal life is where we got on. We got on the road here that Christ says, I'm the gate. It's a narrow way. There's only one way to get there. There's not all kinds of religions, only one in Christ alone. Do we enter through the gate? And once we're on the road, we begin to walk this road through life, and it's going to end at the same place, death and then a judgment, but a whole different kind. 
If you're here today and you're on the broad road, oh, I know there's lots of people on it. I know it's pretty popular and it's packed out. Listen to me. It's taking you to a place of destruction. Death is coming, dear friend. And then, oh, please, listen. The judgment and wrath of God is coming. You do not have to experience the wrath of God because Jesus Christ already experienced it for you, dear friend. But I'm just asking you today, I'm pleading with you, if you're just being simply religious, dear friend, oh God, I pray that you will stop the religion and you'll look to God for forgiveness, mercy, and grace and you'll trust upon his sacrifice today in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear friend, you repent of your sin and your old way of life and Christ is the gate and you'll enter through the gate on the narrow road that leads to eternal life, friend. And you will never be off that road, you will be on that road because of what Christ Jesus has done for you today. That's my question to you. You've got two appointments. Where and where and what will you stand and where will you spend all eternity, dear friend? In Christ today, today's the day of salvation. And I don't say this lightly. Jesus Christ is coming soon. The age of the church is coming to a close. It's coming to a close. This is the day for salvation. The ark door will be shut by God one day. No matter how hard you beat on the door, dear friend, you won't be able to get in. Not because we don't want someone in, but because God says, listen, this is where it stops right here. If you do not know Jesus, please, today, will you trust upon the Lord Jesus Christ and will you be saved? He's done all this for you. It is free. It is out of love. It's an incredible thing to be in right relationship with God. I'm going to have a word of prayer. You all can stay right where you're, where you're seated today. I do want to mention this to you, though, that please, if someone wants to just visit about any of this stuff, please, I'm going to be here after the service. There's going to be people eating pancakes, leaving, driving. But listen, this is the time of day to do business with God. Do you hear what I'm saying? If God has spoken to your heart, please, don't run from him. Run to him this morning. And you can be changed. Do you understand? Amen. I'm going to pray. You right where you're at, you can make your own little altar there and you can pray to the God of all creation who is here in this place and he has been speaking to you. And today, if by faith you will trust upon Jesus Christ, you will be saved, dear friend. Father God, I pray now, Lord, in this room that, Lord, there may be, Father, some here who are on the broad road of religion or on the broad road and, of course, it's leading to destruction. Maybe they don't know you at all. They've never trusted in this amazing sacrifice, this amazing grace that you provide in the Son, Jesus Christ. My prayer today, Lord Jesus, is right now, right where they're seated. And, Lord, they've been prayed for, oh, God, that they would just simply say, I repent of my sin and my old way of life. And I understand, Jesus, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And I turn my life to you, and I surrender my life to you, and I receive your forgiveness and your grace and your mercy. I take the righteousness of Christ, and it's been placed on my life. And the Bible says, if you will trust upon the Lord Jesus Christ, that you will be saved. And today, if you say that prayer, and you really believe by faith, listen to me, the Bible says that you will be saved. Oh, dear friend. I pray that's your prayer this morning if you do not yet know Christ. For every Christian, oh, what an amazing day this is that we celebrate. Our Savior is alive. We thank you for your amazing grace. Amen.